0: Welcome spooks and spirits, ghouls and ghosts. Take a seat around the campfire, but beware, this podcast is haunted. Okay, so here's the thing that's been happening. Fun fact, did you know you can play the game Dominion online free right now? Well, I love and Dominion. And also every time. Yeah, we should play sometime. We should absolutely uh, can, play. Yeah, this is a PSA. Uh, everyone, you can go to dominion.games. That's it. That's the URL. Uh, <laughs> and you can make an account and you can just play uh, with, you can play with computers, you can play with friends, you can add friends, and yeah, you can you can play free online. And, and they have just the base game usually is free and then you have to buy like the expansions. But right now- This is not sponsored by Dominion, by the way. Right now, you since there's an obviously high volume of people playing things online, they have uh, given us at least one expansion pack like per week or something to play for free. So we should all do that.
1: Super awesome! I love that. That's really cool. Yeah.
0: So I've been playing uh, Dominion with friends like who I haven't even talked to in like five years, who live in a different state, and it's just been. A great moment to be like, hey, let's actually hang out online because that's how we're hanging out with everyone right now. So uh, distance doesn't matter. (laughs) Well, right. Well,
1: I mean, it's harder. Like, I really miss staring into your beautiful face right now. Uh, Yeah. The studio feels too big without you. Oh. I know. But the good news is that you're not sick. I'm not Uh sick. We're doing our best to keep it that way.
0: Yeah. Guys, what a week. <laughs> I feel like it's this is going to be an interesting couple of episodes to listen back to uh, later on because I was remembering how we were talking about this last episode. And oh my God, how things have changed uh, even since last week. So uh, just bear that in mind when you listen to the last episode in the past or like in the future when you're listening back. Uh, yeah, things uh things change quickly around here, huh? Things
1: have changed so quickly. They're gonna continue to change so quickly. Uh, I was reading a really interesting article about how this whole thing is going to change America and and how mm-hmm. we do things here. And you know, even though there's a high, price to all of this like like so many so many people are struggling and so many people will continue Mm -hmm. to struggle but there are a lot of good things that can come out of this a lot of people coming together and like you know kind of taking a really good look at inequalities in our country and and what we can do because we're really only as healthy as the sickest person you know and we're only as rich as the poorest person
0: yeah exactly so it's times are definitely rough And uh, we're not here to uh, kind of minimize that at all. But at the same time, you all know that. And so we don't need to dwell on it too much right now. Yeah, this is supposed
1: to be escapism, goddammit.
0: Yes, yeah. One thing before we get started that, um, well, I mean, we'll obviously do a little PSA about how to stay healthy and sane. But one thing that we were talking about at the museum is that this is an extraordinary time and opportunity for... Uh, recognizing that we're a part of history right now. Um, And so any kind of diaries you want to keep, journal, like accounts, just basically writing down like what's happening day to day, what rumors are going around, how you're feeling, and how that's changing on a day-to-day basis is going to be huge. Like that's someday like people might really find that to be important and useful. So if that's your thing, if you like journaling – Please do that. It will be really cool. Because I
1: am genetically, like, provoked to take the piss. uh, Yes. (laughs) My normal journal is stuff like what I ate and, like, what I'm supposed to do in a given day. So, like, imagine if that becomes, like, Anne Frank's diary for, like, the
0: COVID years. Like, oh, wow. Oh, I... (laughs) Kate, skip the gynecologist I mean, meeting. <laughs> I fully expect, like, everyone's Twitter feeds to be very ridiculous. <laughs> right. Like, that's going to be part of the historical record is Twitter feeds.
1: Isn't that um, really horrific? Just, wow. Yeah.
0: But also, <laughs> writing down that mundane information about, like, who you saw, what you ate, where you went, like...
1: Those are my favorite historic records. Yes.
0: yes. <laughs> so yes. definitely don't feel like you have to write uh, big, long paragraphs and pages and pages like Anne Frank did. Like, just write down, like, a couple sentences. Like, if you can write down a paragraph for each day, that would be so cool.
1: Pretty dope. Also, so, anyway, there's, I pitch. always feel better
0: writing stuff down,
1: like, just, like, getting mm-hmm. it out, you know? It's it's very cheap therapy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, do that. Uh, In the meantime, we are uh, recording remotely for a reason. We are trying to be good (laughs) models of social distancing. Um, So even though we both feel fine, it's always just smarter to take precautions and stay home if you can. Um, Wash those hands. Scrub them. (sighs) Yeah. Uh,
1: Do you want to talk about the fucking podcast though? Like just like
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let's okay. So that's our that's the official end to the pandemic talk.
1: Yeah, because I I literally I can't take anymore. Uh, I will ask you, what are you doing to like keep sane?
0: Oh, me personally? Yeah. Do you mean am, am I taking my own goddamn advice and and journaling every day and keeping a record for future historians? No, Hey, this
1: podcast is a record. Thank you.
0: Oh, it is. Yes. This is my this is my due diligence right here. So what I'm actually doing is I've been playing hours and hours of Sims. (laughs) Honestly, I
1: I don't really know why I asked. It was only going to be one answer.
0: If you want to (laughs) sit and play a game that lets you feel like you have some control in this world. Like, you, like the things that you decide and the choices you make have meaning and have <laughs> expected consequences that you can predict, The Sims is the game for you.
1: You know what? You are actually making such a strong sales point for it. I'm going to download The yeah. Sims tonight.
0: Good, because it is also on sale right now. So definitely, this is also not sponsored by The Sims, although I would definitely take their money. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, if they get us some of that sweet sweet sim cash. Uh God, yeah. Yeah. You know? That'll work.
0: Yeah. So uh that's that's what I'm doing. What are what are you doing?
1: Oh girl, I am reading so many regency romances. Like
0: Ugh, an absurd yes. amount
1: of Regency romances.
0: I think Regency romance is especially appropriate because of the level of not touching in that period. What
1: a very great point. Except for in these uh, romances, uh, this so
0: I'm <laughs> I'm reading oh, this is the- not Jane Austen.
1: They, um, yeah. They touch. They they touch. They almost always touch uh, before the actual wedding. So uh, you know, like a good and proper Jane Austen Regency romance where everybody's good and proper?
0: Where you can read the, the proposal and not even realize that it happened, which right? is what happened to me the first time I read Pride and Prejudice. I was like, wait, 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 wait. Oh, did it happen? I need to go back.
1: <laughs> yeah. So in this one, Uh, I'm reading the Naked series by Sally McKenzie. Uh, The Naked Duke, Mm. the Naked Earl, the Naked King, the Naked Prince.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, I didn't realize that this was a thing. Oh
1: my god. Yeah, if you want good smut recommendations, Uh I'm your Huckleberry. (laughs) Okay. Now, I like a comedic smut, so Hmm. it's got giggles, uh, it's got heroines that are, you know, fine, they're okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing extraordinary about them, and the guys. I have no idea what any of these guys look like, and let me tell you, it does not matter.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, like, you can just insert whatever you need to in fully, your mind's eye.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know when she, when the author, who seems like a lovely person, this is not a this is not to besmirch her at all. When she's describing these guys, I just sort of glaze over and like kind of put Joe Manganiello in.
0: We're <laughs> like, I need to Google who that is. <laughs> you
1: don't know who Joe Manganiello is, girl. Get ready, you're about to get slick in the shorts. Uh, Yeah, so I've just been reading a lot of Regency and Victorian romances, uh, and um, yeah. So what we are actually here to talk about, though, is Catholic Mysteries.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh, We hinted at it last time.
0: I tentatively titled this episode, Bodies and Churches. I love that, the body of
1: the church. How beautiful.
0: Oh, okay yeah yeah uh,
1: so first and foremost, I just want to put a little caveat on this that you know, while we are cheeky bitches, <laughs> I'm not looking to shit on anybody's like religion. <laughs> No, no, no. But a little bit, I'm going to shit on your religion. <laughs> so okay. uh, my dearest Catholic friends, I know many of you listen to the show. I love you. This is nothing against you whatsoever. Uh, but we are going to talk about some of the things that even even the Vatican has agreed that they got wrong. So, Listen,
0: when you've been around as long as the Catholic Church, there's bound to be a little bit of weirdness coming out yeah. of there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> A bureaucracy that old and with that many pointed hats is uh, is bound to have a few errors yeah, I
0: mean, along the way. a lot of flamboyant outfits for it to be, for, yeah, there's there was no chance that nothing weird was going to happen, so. Isn't
1: it nice of us to not be discussing the biggest, weirdest thing?
0: It, well, I mean, that's less whimsical. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'd true. I'd say. <laughs>
1: Side note: If those of you who have Netflix, please take the time to watch the Two Popes. How fucking fantastic was that movie? I didn't see it, dude. Make time for it; it's fantastic.
0: I kind of want to watch the Young Pope first because I feel like I don't. I know that they have nothing to do with each other, but I feel like it's a a, like a a pre uh, a prequel or something. Prequel.
1: (laughs) I haven't watched that one either.
0: I don't know how Young Pope becomes Two Popes, but I'm just here for the whole Pope franchise.
1: I feel like the answer is mitosis.
0: <laughs>
1: is that like like one pope eats a whole lot and then <laughs> two popes, right? That's how it happens. Splits. Splits into two popes. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's I'm not even it.
1: confident that when spells when cells split it's called mitosis. Is that correct?
0: Why are you asking me this question? I don't know.
1: You're right, <laughs> guys. We humanity students cannot be counted on for anything. If we got that wrong, we're sorry. All right. So the particular Catholic mystery that I wanted to talk about is incorruptibility.
0: Okay, Do you know what that means. No, I mean I. I had to google it because I was I was figuring trying to figure out what the hell you were doing. So I I kind of know, but like I you need to explain it. I totally will. I, I Yes. So, I've never
1: been to Europe. In fact, I've never left North America. Well, that's a lie. I've been I spent one day in Central America. <laughs> okay uh, in belize the greatest place on earth Oh. Uh, but, but yeah that was like the one day of my life where i can look back and be like oh i was truly happy in that day like why that whole were you long there day. for one day honeymoon oh okay cruise excursion the boat oh, pulls I up see. you get off for I a day see. yeah yeah i gotcha. i would recommend anybody in the world go to belize uh maybe not so by cruise right it. now
0: yeah well afterwards 20 dollar cruises who's with me <laughs>
1: Literally, no one. I'm not ever getting on a cruise ship after the stories I'm hearing. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so an incorruptible mm-hmm. is uh, a body that doesn't decompose. And okay, if they, now we've come across these before. Remember when we talked about Mad Dog Wayne? What? Um, okay, so uh, at the beginning of not this season, but last season, our first episode, I believe, when we were talking about the Revolutionary War. Oh, ah. yes. So uh, okay. mad dog Wayne died in Ohio. His son came from mm-hmm. Pennsylvania to bring his body home. And when he got there, even though the body had been buried for like 10 years, it hadn't really decomposed at all. So they had to chop up the body, Oof. boil it down to get collect the oh. bones and bring them home.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, I remember this part. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So
1: that that's a great example of an incorruptible body. Now, it is not a good example... Of a Catholic mystery, incorruptible body. Ooh, a mystery! <laughs> I liked your whinny. Ooh. <laughs> um. So, if a person who passed away was a devout Roman Catholic, and it has it has uh-huh. to be Roman Catholic, as it turns out, the other Catholic churches, like Eastern Orthodox or Greek, or I guess there's even an Albanian church. I had no fucking idea. Um, oh. But those, they all have their own saints, and sometimes they borrow from the Roman saints, but not always.
0: Mm. I mean, I think there's like the OG saints, and yes. then like as as the church split, they're like, okay, we'll we'll still keep some of these, but then we're gonna have our new our new Pokemon collection to add <laughs> Honestly, to the original 150.
1: I was reading okay. back on the history of how people have become saints over time. And it's changed like four times. The most recent change was like in 1983. So no one can say the Catholic Church is not a living thing. So- the, but the Catholic is
0: saint, <laughs> nothing has changed the entire time, right?
1: Right. That's, yeah. Right? It's always been the same, except for if you know about Vatican I and Vatican Two, and like, yeah, you know, who can be leaders in the church and why and... <laughs> Yeah. Ah, Catholics. Uh, yeah. Uh, we know? love you. I'm related <laughs> to you. It's fine. That's, yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, an incorruptible body is a body that doesn't rot. Now, okay. the simplest form of that sounds easy, right? Like Anthony Mad Dog Wayne, but there's actually... I mean, it don't, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when a body is truly considered incorruptible... The body must mm-hmm. remain flexible Ugh. so it doesn't adopt rigor mortis. Okay, yeah. In fact, it is supposed to be indistinguishable from sleep. You should not be Gross. able to look at an uncorrupted body and mm-hmm. a sleeping person and be able to tell the difference.
0: Okay. It also... Is it is this the part where I register my disbelief or are we going to get to that later?
1: I mean, feel free to register right of the way along. Uh, there's a lot okay. of things to not believe here.
0: Okay. Uh, it's also not supposed to look dried,
1: be embalmed, mummified, or otherwise preserved. Okay. Mm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Jen, Jen, you have the uh, the groanings of a person who's maybe seen a, a body in a church.
0: Okay. So, um, yes, there. <laughs> now I don't know the full scoop on this guy, but. I did. I was lucky enough to go uh, on a trip to Europe in high school, and we went to Rome, and we went to the Vatican, as you do. Naturally. And Natch, St. Peter's Basilica, amazing place. Houses a lot of things and a lot of of curiosities and saints and talismans and relics, uh, one of which is the body of one pope that is called the Smiling Pope, I think. I don't know. It was 2007, which is... Far too long ago. Um, but yeah, this was a, a guy in a glass coffin a la Sleeping bee. No, Snow White. Gotta remember my Disney princesses. And yeah, he was just kind of chilling there like one's grandpa might. Uh, yeah, he looked like your, your average embalmed body, I think. Actually, embalmed? Looking embalmed is actually
1: pretty dope. That's ideal. Yeah, I
0: mean... Impressive considering how long he was probably there, but I w- it's you know how embalmed bodies get that kind of waxy, yes, look to them. This yes. is what it, this was my experience, so yeah, I would not have mistaken him for sleeping, is what I will say. Gotcha, okay, that
1: makes sense. Okay. We're going to talk about that. So, so basically, just to sum up this section, uh, when a body of a Roman Catholic, specifically a Roman Catholic, uh, does not rot. The church sits up and pays attention. It is uh, marked, you know, it's it's not supposed to be distinguishable from sleep. And it's supposed to indicate that the person lived a very holy life and they are being favored in heaven by God. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> this used to be a sign of a miracle. It is mm-hmm. no longer a sign of a miracle. I will credit the Vatican here for a second. They, in in the age of modern science, the Vatican is trying really hard to apply science where they can Mm, and sort of mm -hmm. take advantage of what can be scientifically known and applied and make sure that they are meeting a standard that would apply to skeptics, which I think is pretty impressive.
0: I'm all for that because I think that is uh, doing much more to kind of work with the scientific community and the skeptical community than just, Ignoring it like Agreed. a lot of other people do. <laughs> totally so agree. I think totally agree. I would be much more willing to, you know, and this is how I am about the paranormal too. It's like I want there to be some testing and I want there to be some kind of uh pushback and intellectual, you know, challenge to this claim before I act, just, you know, accept it. So if it can Absolutely. pass those rigorous tests, then, you know, I would be totally willing to believe it. So Yeah,
1: I, I think it's very smart and forward thinking of the Catholic Church to take on that skeptic's point of view. Um,
0: yeah. So
1: the incorruptibles, like I said, uh, there are many around the world. Um, and, and, you know, it, outside the Catholic faith, there are also uh, bodies that have not rotted for one reason or another. Mm. Uh, but back in the old days, it was definitely Considered a sign of holiness, uh, even though that's not an officially Vatican approved miracle anymore. So, when an incorruptible body is found, it's uh, often exhumed and reinterred, sometimes multiple times. Uh, after concluding that indeed the body is considered an incorruptible, uh, they would take relics of the body to Rome and those would be sealed in wax. Jen, do you know what I mean hmm. by relics?
0: Like finger bones?
1: Like fingers or hands, a foot, uh, really yeah. any part that they could get and seal and wax and bring to Rome. Yeah. Uh, where I know would be-
0: uh, another fun uh, saint fact that I have witnessed. Um,
1: you know the, I do. The,
0: the patron saint of Budapest uh, is Saint Stephen, and they have his hand. Uh, it's not incorrupted, <laughs> it is Gross. definitely a mummy hand. <laughs> And they have it in a little reliquary, and every year on their like kind of big national holiday, they they have a little parade and they parade it through the streets. It's very cool.
1: Super <laughs> fucking gross. Who gets to carry it? I want to be the person who carries it through the streets. Uh, I
0: mean, I'm assuming you know, like bishops and whatever, but like, yeah, it's or or you know, important people in the church. But yeah. yeah, they have their little their little saint hand. Gross. Anyway, continue.
1: Super gross. I love it. Mm-hmm. So these these relics are taken to Rome. They're investigated. Uh, the body's reburied. The bishop inspects everything. Uh, and finally, we'll give a report. <laughs> it's very hierarchical. There's like a form, form G-A.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. It's like they're doing little tests of like, oh, take this one out. Check it. It's not done. Put it back. <laughs>
1: That's exactly what's happening. Uh, So then they can open the reliquary uh, and they decide that, oh, yeah, okay, this body is ready for veneration. So do you know, this is my understanding of veneration. Mm. I am not a Catholic. My father is a bad Catholic, Mm. but I am not. Uh, So my understanding of veneration is when you can ask a dead person who you're pretty Mm -hmm. sure is in heaven to (laughs) do errands for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it, and my understanding is has always been like, you're not praying to them as if they are God, you're praying to them to talk to God for you, because you are not important enough to talk to God. Right, right. Like, you're trying to use
1: their insider angle to get Jesus yeah. to make the Packers win the next Super Bowl.
0: Exactly. You're yes. like, St. Stephen, I've seen your hand. You know me. Right. We are uh, old friends. <laughs> let's let's do this. I know you're tight with God. I'm tight with you. Let's make this happen. <laughs> you can also... Do you think you could just like talk to him for me?
1: Right. Right. You can also appeal based on their things. Uh, so do you know in America, the hospital that's um, quite famous for children who have debilitating diseases where their parents are never charged, St. Jude's? Mm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: So St. Jude's is called St. Jude because St. Jude is the patron saint of lost causes oh, or fuck. impossible causes, like <laughs> that things that like seem a impossible. seems
0: like okay, I mean, yeah. No, I get, Jen, I get, that's I get like big spirit. hope. <laughs> that is big hope, but it's also like, good fucking luck to you, I guess.
1: <laughs> you're such a fucking cynic, but yes, you're right. I can see it your way as well. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you're trying to get treatment for a child yeah. for a disease and you don't have health insurance? <laughs> In it's America? The, All right.
0: Let's pray to the patron saint of lost causes. You know? Oh. But there's
1: kind of a patron saint for everything. Um, so whatever it is that you're asking about, you can like Google what's the patron saint of this. Um, hmm. For example, uh, what's the... I have a spider problem. What's the patron saint of spiders? I bet you there is one. I'm Googling it now.
0: Uh, there is a patron saint of cats. Of I think it's St. Catherine. St. Bridget,
1: right? Is it? That sounds like a cat lady name. Doesn't it? Uh, it's Her day is the same as like St. Patrick's Day?
0: Yes. Yes, yes. That's why I saw it. Because someone was posting about it recently. And I was like, oh my God, there's a patron saint of cats. St. Uh,
1: Felix is the patron saint of spiders. Jen, Gross. name name a weird problem you have.
0: <laughs> is there a patron saint of anxiety?
1: <laughs> I bet you
0: there fucking is. Yep. St. Yes. Diantha.
1: Patron saint of stress,
0: anxiety, and mental health. Well, we're about to become best buds, so.
1: Right? Uh, Yeah, so there's kind of a patron saint for everything. And you would, you know, it's sort of like um, when you're seeking a museum grant Mm. and, you know, you want to put in technology, you would appeal to a company for a grant that does a lot of stuff in technology. Yeah. You know, so you appeal to the person who thinks you're going to be interested in your little problem. (laughs) So
0: so if you have a problem, you write a grant application to your to your, uh, you know, concerned saint. And yes, and they'll review it. You're joking, with their but board. yes.
1: And you have to like fill out the right forms, which is like do the right prayers in the right order, light the right candles. Yeah,
0: this all makes sense now.
1: I'm not kidding. I, That's real. I know you're not <laughs> kidding. <laughs> hey Jen. Yeah. Uh. What does a holy person smell like? What does the dead body of a holy person smell like?
0: I mean, I hope not bad. Like, is it? You'd be correct. Okay, good.
1: Not bad. Usually, when a holy person has died, mm. if their body is incorruptible, they take on the odor of sanctity.
0: What is? Which is, is flowery. That like, is, oh, I was going to say, is that like the new baby smell? <laughs>
1: This is a really old baby smell.
0: <laughs> I have yet to really fully experience the new baby smell and I'm so upset. Every every new baby I come into contact with, I think it's just a little too late. I need to get like right on that new baby smell. Like I I need to I I, I don't know. Listen,
1: I've been with a lot of babies in my life. Yeah. They all smell the
0: same. Okay. Maybe it's just bullshit. I think it's basically the parents being like my baby's special.
1: Right. I think new baby smell probably smells exactly like a tampon does.
0: Ooh. Oh. I mean, I get where you're coming from, but.
1: I think we all get where I'm coming from. (laughs) I'm going to get so many nasty letters from moms this week. (laughs) Save it, ladies. I'm not that interested in your crotch fruit.
0: Katie Rose on Facebook. (laughs) Right.
1: No, honestly, you know, I love babies once they're like out and wiped off,
0: it's a little cuter. And then yeah, yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. I don't want to hear about your tapeworm kicking inside your organs. You're like, I just don't. Uh, that makes me want to throw up. Anyways, When I talk about it, it turns everything so, into a tunnel. So,
0: saints <laughs> smell, so like incorrupted saints smell like flowers is what you're saying.
1: Wait, yeah. So the odor of sanctity. So, how does one
0: become a saint? You know, just being good and doing good stuff. Mm -hmm.
1: Yep, that's. I think that's it. Like, I somebody held the door open for me at McDonald's a couple weeks ago. I was like, Oh my God, you're a saint. Thank you.
0: And now they are. So So that's
1: fun. That's true. That's that person is now probably up in heaven. Nope. Stop it. Um, so, if if somebody is uh, being considered for a saint, there's actually steps to sainthood because all things are bureaucracy. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: You have to fill out the right forms.
1: That's right, and and so the first stage is becoming a servant of God. Uh, so while you're being investigated, this usually happens just about five years after your death, and uh, they're they're not like a hundo that you're probably in heaven <laughs> because you have to like be proven to be a really good person. Mm. So at that point in time, as you're being investigated, but you're probably in. You're a servant of God. Gotcha. Uh, you are venerable if you have enough proof of heroic virtue. So it's not enough to be virtuous, like a lot of people are virtuous. You have to have heroic virtue. Oh, right. And then you are considered venerable. Now, if your venerability comes with a side of miracles or particular service, like being a martyr, ah, now we are the blessed. Ah, Right. So if you are, uh, let's see, worthy. So you're blessed if if they think it is worthy of belief that you are in heaven.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and then of those, there's two categories. So there's the martyrs and the confessors. So the martyrs are they were they did a holy service and they're in. They're they're they don't have to like do extra dog tricks for the treat. Uh, the confessors though have to perform at least one miracle mm. to be considered blessed. Okay. Uh, so often that's like healing an injury because it's something that could be proven in real time. Mm,
0: yeah.
1: And again, to the credit of the modern church, they take that shit pretty seriously. And then a second miracle, boom, you're a saint. You made it.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's the big times. Yeah.
1: So it, it's the big times. Now, sainthood didn't really become a thing until right around the year 1000. That makes sense. So for the first, like... 700 years of the official church, uh, people were kind of doing local saints where they would call like, oh, these are the dearly departed dead. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll call on them in heaven. Uh, But it became really formalized as the church grew. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff in there. You You also have a political fast track to being a saint. And we have seen that in our lifetimes with the Smiling Pope Mm. uh pope john the 23rd he was the pope through the 60s yeah
0: that's yeah that's pretty recent
1: yeah he you know he actually um people said he was like a really good pope that he did a lot of good things oh that's nice yeah he's the one who switched things from vatican one to vatican two which was quite liberal for the time yeah i mean that is pretty dope since we don't have to learn latin anymore Uh, thank god for that uh so no the the other person that is getting fast-tracked is mother Teresa. yes
0: Yes. Boo. (laughs) Now, why don't you explain your boo? Because, like, I know why, but a lot of people are still riding the Mother Teresa train.
1: Right. This is my own personal pick. This is my, what, my pet peeve. It's bigger than a pet peeve. I think I would get in a fist fight with her if I had the opportunity. Ooh, okay. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no. So Mother Teresa had thousands of people under her care at a time where she was popular world over millions of dollars. Mm-hmm were donated to her hospitals in Calcutta. Mm-hmm. There is no evidence that that money was ever used for palliative care.
0: Oh. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say all these so people friends going driving Bugattis out here like
1: Right, but they weren't. They were still eating just like very humble amounts of food, possibly not enough food. Mm. People who Oh, sorry. I get so angry. Well, and I can
0: see like, you know, oh, you don't want to spoil them. Like we we live a simple life because that is a very like monastic thing is to like live simply. Yes. But yet.
1: Mother Teresa believed that pain brought you closer to God, that, that God looked more favorably on you if you were writhing in pain.
0: I mean, that's so, a fine personal choice, but not one you should be making oh, for... Oh, thank you for saying
1: personal choice, Jennifer. Of because when Mother Teresa got sick, did she get treated in the Calcutta hospitals that had not seen improvements since the 70s? Oh. oh, no. No, she fucking went to Mount, not Mount Sinai. Sinai Hospital. What is it? In California. Oh, I don't know. Cedar Sinai. <laughs> she went to like a, a boutique hospital in California where she was given the greatest care in the world. <laughs> because she needs to survive to spread the message. She's the mouthpiece of God. Apparently. So yeah, she let thousands of people starve and die writhing in pain when she had the money and the resources to not do that, and she fucking didn't.
0: Yeah, that's not great. So yeah. Yeah. If
1: at the pearly gates I met with Mother Teresa, I'll cold cock her and send my ass right to hell. I don't give a (laughs) shit. Like, you don't let people die in pain. You just don't. Yeah,
0: yeah, I'm with you Now,
1: if other people see these things differently, feel free to send me better information. This is the information I have. Once
0: again, that is Kate who said this, <laughs> not me.
1: Definitely Kate, not Jen.
0: Bring your uh, grievances to, accordingly. To the right person,
1: yeah. Oh, I get so angry. Yeah. Um. So, do you want to hear about one of our incorruptible bodies? Uh, yes. All of right. Course. So, uh, I picked her because of her name. Mm-hmm. Saint Rita. <gasps> I love that. Yeah. Uh, Are you familiar with what's called the Tiffany problem?
0: Yes. Yeah. I think we've talked about this before. Like, you don't. Tiffany's don't exist before 1980, right?
1: Right. But also, the name Tiffany goes back to like the Middle Ages (laughs) because it's a nickname for Theodosia.
0: Oh God! I think we should bring that back. I mean, I think it. Uh, I think it will be coming back. What with Hamilton? Because of Hamilton.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So. I feel the same way about Rita. When I saw St. Rita, I was like, did she die in 1983? Like, yeah, uh, Nope. St. Rita actually was born in 1381. So that's there's the I... Tiffany problem for well, you. Well, that
0: is, isn't that, because I actually have a friend named Rita. Um, isn't it short for Margaret? Is it? That's, that's what hers is. Yeah. Huh. Margaret, Margarita, Margaret Rita. Yeah,
1: sure, that makes sense. My sister's name is Margaret. I'm gonna start calling her Rita. Uh so this is Saint Rita of Casca. Of Costco. Uh, I might be saying that wrong. Costco, saint Rita yes. Patron saint of toilet paper. Oh
0: oh. Too soon.
1: Right. C-A-S-C-I-A. So I think that's Casca. Yeah, I'm sure. It's it's Italian. I can't I don't know. I've given up, guys. It's fine. <laughs> Just so wait till was, you get to um, my
0: story. It's gonna get a lot worse.
1: Good. Uh, She was born 1381 in Umbria, which is northern Italy. Mm -hmm. She was married before age 12.
0: Oh, no. No.
1: Yeah. Like, even back then, that was pretty young. That's
0: pretty frowned upon. Yes. Yeah.
1: Because, like, you don't marry before your menses have started. No. And a lot of girls didn't have that yet.
0: Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, um, you got to get to, like, middle school for that. Like, at least upper middle (laughs) school. Gross. Upper middle
1: school. Uh, yeah, so she was married before age 12. Her husband was abusive and immoral and involved in a nasty vendetta with another local family. Um, she bore him two sons. The husband gets murdered in the Vendetta. So Mm -hmm. her boys are just about old enough to start, like, being men, and she's trying, in an effort to be pious and save their souls, she encourages her sons to bury the Vendetta and just live peacefully. Her husband's brother, who was also involved in the Vendetta, kind of whispers in the boys' ears and convinces them to avenge their
0: father. Mm. Boys will be boys, am I right? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, So because she was afraid for their mortal souls, she prayed... To saints, other saints, uh, that her boys would would basically die before they could commit a mortal sin. Oh, and within the year, they both died of dysentery.
0: Uh, yay! <laughs> yeah, I don't know. How it I actually feel kind is... of
1: gave her. <laughs> it's, it's, I yeah, I feel a little weird about it too, uh-huh. right? Like, um, especially because, like, you know, isn't the Roman Catholic Church the the church that takes like ending the life of children? born and pre-born yeah uh pretty fucking seriously
0: they they do yeah
1: take kind of a hard line on murder normally don't they yeah
0: they do so that's curious but i mean also around i mean we did fight how many crusades there's been i'm just saying there's been a lot of long history murder killing people in the name of jesus and the Catholic yeah. Church to
1: say nothing of the inquisition.
0: Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So
1: so yeah, by praying for You know, as a way to save her souls, the souls of her sons, uh, she actually kind of showed that she was like favored amongst mortals.
0: Okay, I mean this because they listened to her. Kind of Abrahamic, I guess, in a way. Except for she like full on did it.
1: Uh, Yeah. Um. So at this point in time, she's the ripe old age of thirty, and she's Mm -hmm. like, I'm ready to retire.
0: (laughs) Which I'm thirty. Same girl. Passed beyond all relevance, and I shall, I shall retire and live in obscurity. I will
1: beautiful sail
0: to the gray havens
1: and uh, and and while she was there uh, she she wanted to retire to a monastery oh. for uh, a nunnery yeah. basically yeah. Uh, where they get real involved with mortification of the flesh <sighs> yeah Aye. yeah there's you know because nothing hurts like the love of God I guess I don't oh, know I don't know. I it doesn't make sense to me, but that's fine.
0: Well, it's it's, uh, it's so one it's, of those things where like if life is too good on Earth, then what can heaven be like? <laughs> you know, it's gotta you gotta yeah. feel the difference.
1: To uh to quote Neil Gaiman, I'll just suggest that uh, uh, God is not as how God is not how you imagine, nor is hell, and nor is heaven. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so she is actually turned away. Uh, because she was kind of considered a woman of scandal, even though she was favored by God, because her husband was involved oh, shit. in this uh, kind of Medici level, uh, not Medici, uh, Montague and Capulet level oh. family war. Yes. And so they challenged her to do something to end the war, and then they would accept her into their monastery. So she and killed so, herself
0: uh, a la. Romeo
1: <laughs> great idea. And Love it.
0: That's, that's always the answer.
1: <laughs> she played both. <laughs> she was both Romeo and Juliet yeah. and she went down to a tomb and drank poison and then stabbed herself but nobody would have cared <laughs> no what it was um she once again uh went to these she implored these patron saints of hers and uh she ended the battle by i i'm sorry I can't. <laughs> okay <laughs> what did she do uh it was she well <laughs> The battle was buried not exactly in a direct way. Uh, in fact, uh, the Black Plague came. Oh, okay. And uh, suddenly made everybody's petty differences look really small.
0: Well, that's one way to end a uh, war. And that's,
1: yeah, and that's kind of like, I mean, I guess like, Thank God for unanswered prayers. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But that was sort of looked upon as, like, people interceding for her and her wishes in, mm. like, the broken road.
0: I mean, yeah, I guess it's like, for from her perspective, the the way to solve everyone's problems is just kill everyone. Because if they're dead, they can't fight anymore.
1: I, I kind of... She's sort of a dark figure um, because she is, eventually she's the patron saint of impossible causes like St. Jude. Mm. They share that. She's also the patron saint of sterility, abuse victims, Mm. loneliness, marriage difficulties, parenthood, widows, and the sick. And, like, that kind of sums up what her life was. Like, even um, when she was young, like, being married off at 12... And um, actually, right after she was born, Mm -hmm. one of um, the first they considered it like an omen that she was special. By her cradle, there was a swarm of bees, (laughs) and the bees were crawling all over her and going in her in and out her mouth. Oh, yeah, she's covered in bees, but she was never stung or hurt. Yeah, so in her iconography, she's often pictured with bees okay and it meant that she was going to be a worker and somebody close to the home somebody who does domestic things oh, okay yeah i get that yeah so like even like even your holy iconography is that you're gonna have a hard road to hoe girlfriend jesus. <laughs> here's some fucking bugs in your mouth jesus loves you <laughs> yeah
0: ah.
1: so so she goes she's in the uh the nunnery basically she's mortifying her flesh Take that however you want. Mm. And she starts getting holier. Uh. So, uh, around age 60, she had a, a wound appear on her forehead, just a small one, and it never ever healed. And it was thought to be a stigmata. Do you know what
0: stigmata is? Oh, I do because I took art history, but let's explain yeah. it to the friends at home. Stigmata is the wounds of Christ. Mm-hmm
1: appearing on a normal everyday person
0: yeah so if you just like pray hard enough and you're tight enough with jesus he'll be like hey remember how i died here's a physical reminder on your body so you can point out to the doubting Thomases in your life yes exactly so hands having holes in them,
1: uh, gashes or cuts across your forehead. Mm. The, the hand holes are, you know, like the, the nails that held Christ to the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, same through the feet, stigmata in the feet. Um, and then across the forehead, gashes or cuts or scrapes that last forever are from the crown of thorns, it's thought. Right. So so sharing the wounds of Christ is supposed to mark you as a particularly holy person. Mm. Guys, I can't lie, stigmata freak the fuck out of me. Yeah, I mean, it's concerning. For sure, This is some real concern. And some of the, like, oh, some stigmata has been proven to be false. Oh, gross. And some of the things that people are willing to do to their bodies in order to prove yeah. that they are close with God is really fucking upsetting. Yeah, I
0: mean, I watched The Da Vinci Code. It's upsetting. Right, right. Paul Bettany, Ugh. why do you got to do that to yourself?
1: Poor beautiful Paul Bettany. Stop it.
0: Stop it. We'll love you. It's fine. You don't have to do that.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so, that was around age 60. She actually lives until she's 70, 75. Around age 70, she actually had another miracle, because the stigmata is considered a miracle. Another miracle was, was, uh, kind of, assigned to her Mm. um she was in the process of dying and a cousin from her private home life came to visit and was saying hey is there anything i can do to make you more comfortable can i bring you anything from home and she says yes would you bring me a rose from the garden Mm. Mm -hmm. it was january oh
0: that's okay yeah
1: girl even in italy there are no roses in january right (laughs) think it through lady jesus christ look at
0: the calendar look at but
1: the the the, co- the cousin goes home and lo and behold, in the garden is a single blooming rose. So that's that's the rose has become another iconography of hers. Okay. Uh, so, you know, if there's bees, a rose, and she's got a dot on her head like she's bleeding. That's, uh, that's dear old St. Saint Rita. St. Saint Rita. St. Rita. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, she died around um, age 75. And uh, like I said, she's from Umbria, Italy. <laughs> uh, in the... 1500 1600s i think pope urban the viii so that's eighth pope oh. urban the eighth s- secretary okay uh knew of rita's story because he was from the same part of the country like same same small town they grew up a couple miles apart
0: oh neighborhood but separated of course friends. by
1: hundreds of years oh
0: shit okay I wasn't paying attention. Right. So he kind
1: of got people excited about St. Rita and what she accomplished in her life. And it, it sort of started a cult around her. Mm. Now, when I say cult, that's a cult like within the Roman Catholic Church. It's not like they were getting crazy outside the lines a, of what is normal. Cult, they would just cult, have like just, kind of like a cult of personality. A regular yeah regular cult. Yeah.
0: Just low key Low key cult,
1: right? That's right. Yeah. Um. So they started the beatification process, and she actually was beatified in 1626, and then canonized finally in the year 1900. Oh, so this is a very long process. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. This she just died sound like a in really 1475.
0: Thick inbox or something. Like, what is, <laughs> what is their process like?
1: This is a lot of there's a lot of research a lot of
0: paperwork to go through
1: I think cynically that also there's a lot of um, you want a lot of time to elapse so you have chance to rewrite the record
0: oh and also not not many people will know the truth about hers.
1: right right you can sort of reframe the truth how you want it to be Mm. Uh, and I'm not saying that's what happened here I'm just that's my cynical Talking sure. So um. So I. She's an incorrupt body. Her incorrupt body is actually on display in Cassia today. Uh, it had actually been exhumed three times before Vatican display. Okay. Now that's relevant because, as you know, I don't actually believe in incorruptibility
0: <gasps> Ooh.
1: as being a magical thing by and large. The
0: plot thickens. Indeed. What do you think happened? Uh. In this case
1: she might be the real deal. I don't have a side story. But in a lot of cases, incorruptibles definitely look dead. Well, yeah, like most of the incorruptible bodies that are allegedly incorruptible, you can definitely distinguish from being alive and asleep, right? Yeah.
0: I mean, I think even like, it's like that thing when you're at a funeral home, and everyone's like, oh, they look like they're sleeping. They don't. They don't, look they don't like they're sleeping. They
1: definitely do not. They don't.
0: So I, think, I feel like it's one of those. It's just like something that people really like tell themselves <laughs> to feel better. Right, right. So
1: um, there's a couple different things happening here. Uh, in some cases, there was uh, like an oxygen-less environment. Mm. No oxygen, no rot. Okay. As we know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also have cases. Remember I brought up the odor of sanctity? Yes, so when you bring up a body that doesn't look like it's rotted, and also it smells very sweet, it might be from a time period where they were doing sort of um, an anointing of the body with oils. Mm. And those oils include things that were fortified with glocky oil. I Hang on. Uh, giacocol. G. Anyway, it's a preservative that's made from beechwood tar, Ooh. and it smells very flowery. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so oftentimes, you know, when we're talking about these bodies being brought up mm-hmm. from this oxygen-less environment, and then they open the tomb, mm-hmm. things instantly turn to dust. Oh. Or they dry out, or, yeah. or you just mix... You, you mess up that perfect mix of preservatives that was keeping that body intact. Mm, mm-hmm. um, so oftentimes uh, they also work to preserve the incorruptibles. Mm-hmm. So some of them some of them are wearing masks of wax, uh, I believe she mm. is. Okay. Um, some of them are wearing masks of silicone. Ooh. Their bodies were incorrupt but when they opened up the tomb, that perfect, Mix was gone, so they have a silicone mask. Uh, Some of them are encased in marble. Uh Some of them have been dipped in silver. And then what's possibly grossest to me are the bodies that were preserved by being in a carbolic acid bath. What does that do? It kind of drives all the oxygen out of your like organs, mm-hmm. from what I from what I understand, and sort of stops the rot process. Uh, but it definitely is a form of embalming. You
0: know, I'm always of the opinion that maybe we should just let. Things naturally decay in the ground, and even if they are incorruptible, just leave them down there. Just, yeah, just just leave them, leave leave them
1: them be. Remember our episode on curses? The first time we did curses, we opened up that uh, that crypt of the king in Warsaw and it was filled with like you know 500 year old mold spores that killed 10 people in four days.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: I think about that a lot. Mm. Yeah, so there's a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, still though. There are some mystical things happening here, maybe. Uh, There's things that maybe you can't explain. I don't have all the answers here. Mm -hmm. But it seems suspect, doesn't it? It does, a bit, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So that's all I've got for today. Uh, A little bit cynical, but still kind of interesting. And you know I love a dead body.
0: I mean, don't we all? (laughs) That's why we're here. Indeed. (laughs) Indeed.
1: It's a little true crimey of us, but that's okay.
0: You know, it's funny you should mention true crime, because (sighs) folks... It's been it's been a week here at uh this podcast is haunted studios. Um, so we were gonna record a different episode with a guest, but they we were postponing that and we'll bring it to you later. But because of that, I had to find a new topic and I was also dealing with a pretty bad mental health day, and I was trying to find inspiration and in stories and was not finding any. And so I turned to my old friend, True Crime. Uh, God bless. God bless True Crime. Uh, So I I don't know if our our fine gals at uh, My Crime Time, uh, Liz and Katie, uh, shout out to you. I don't know if they've covered this yet, but this is an old-timey Michigan crime. Yeah, I was going off of the theme of the church and bodies, and so I found a story about a body in a church. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it that was not put there for a holy reason uh <laughs> So this is the story of uh, the missing nun in Isidore, Michigan. So do you know anything about Isidore, Michigan? Do you know where it is? Uh,
1: I think it's up by Traverse City.
0: It is up by Traverse City. It's a tiny town on the Leelanau Peninsula, just north of Traverse City. Recently, uh, in in 2000, so 20 years ago, the census said it had about a thousand people living there, so tiny town
1: small town smaller than sodas yes
0: yes uh so this is a small town that uh, doesn't like to talk about the story either it's um just you know called the tragedy uh and so getting them to be open about it is uh difficult so it started as a small farming community mostly of polish immigrants that came over from milwaukee um around 1870 uh the first Catholic church built in Isidore was the Holy Rosary Church. It was built in 1883, and next to it was a school. And so there's like this little complex of a church, uh, the rectory, and the school. And so we, we have about 20 years later in the early 1900s, this is where our story takes place. So we have one father, Andrew, and I've, please forgive me, all of these names are so, so Polish. And I'm just gonna do the best <laughs> I can. Um, so we have Father Andrew Bien yeah, Bien, Bien uh, so he lived in the rectory. Let's call him Old Bean. Yeah, Father Bean. He lived there with his teenage sister Susan, a Polish housekeeper named Stanisława Lipkinska. Uh, nickname, Jesus. Nicknamed Stella, and I will refer to her as Stella from here on out. Um, and then Stella's daughter named Mary, and then a chore boy named Gruba. So <laughs> they're there. They're oh, chilling.
1: In case you guys are ever wondering how aggressively Polish Michigan is, here you go. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I had no idea because usually I'm in Dutch land and we have our own problems. But this
1: yes. Polish
0: names are something else. Um, so I,
1: Jen. Our city is the crux of where the Polacks meet the Dutch. Yeah, and uh, and there was um, there was uh, discomfort. Actually, mm. they didn't like each other.
0: Well, probably because we couldn't pronounce each other's names. <laughs> that's
1: that's probably exactly what it was. Yes.
0: yes. Uh, so anyway, so there's um, <laughs> there's a school attached to the church, and so you need teachers, and so they had some nuns come. Three nuns were sent to Is. Izz- oh. hmm? I just
1: made a connection okay. and I'm really upset about what? it. What? I bet you the church that, because this is like Northern Michigan, like when? Like early 1900s? Yeah. This is probably an Indian relocation school. Oh. Like like the sort of school where they steal Native American children and like teach them to be white.
0: I mean, it doesn't mention anything about that. It seems like a pretty small joint. So I'm not, I don't know. What's, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. It doesn't mention anything about it. I just,
1: whew, I got queasy all of a sudden. Yeah. So, but anyway, go ahead. I'm just It's not
0: like I'm going to really be talking this place up much. So don't worry right. about that. <laughs> um, uh, so three nuns were sent to serve at the school in Isidore. We have Mary Janina, Angelina, and Josephine. So all three of these nuns were sent there from a convent in Detroit uh, because they all had tuberculosis. Uh, so they were sent there in the hope that the clean, fresh air would uh, kind of help alleviate their symptoms. This was a very common practice back at the time a lot of people were sent to the Adirondacks oh yeah as a kind of health cure this you see this frequently that's why honestly people are talking about getting fresh air right now the sunshine cure it is helpful yeah um it's not going to cure tuberculosis but it might help you breathe a little easier <laughs> right so that's that's kind of what they were there for it was just like here hopefully this will make you feel a little better than you're feeling right now so they're part of the felician order um that doesn't matter much to the story it's just a fun fact um but they, right? they slept in the church and they taught in the school mary janina uh, served as the mother superior so it was kind of a small outfit and uh, because they had tuberculosis they they were teaching but they weren't able to do a whole lot of like Heavy labor around, uh, so they would often have to take naps in the afternoon because they would just get so tired. Um, and this was something of a bone of contention for Stella, who was the housekeeper and had to do a lot of hard work around the house. So she would often be, you know, working in the kitchen hard, slaving away over dinner, and she'd see all these nuns come back and they'd just go upstairs and take their nap and grumble um, there's an there's a really good book um, called um, Isidore's secret sin murder and confession in a northern Michigan town it's by Marty link my other sources are an article called under the basement floor from the Miami Ghost Chronicles and then an Atlas obscura article about Holy Rosary Catholic Church so just shoehorning those in
1: yeah beautiful yeah
0: totally totally natural
1: oh Uh, side note, all of my stuff came from Wikipedia, except for one article from, uh, the Order of the Good Death, uh, www.orderofthegooddeath.com, the not-so-really, not-really-so-very-incorrupt corpses, Mm. which was fantastic. All right.
0: Uh, so anyway, we find our story picking up in the summer of 1907. So, school was out for the summer, uh, but the nuns are still kind of hanging around helping out. Father, Father Bean? (laughs) Yep. <laughs> Father Bean. Uh, he returned. Uh, he, he went on a fishing trip um, at Carp Lake, and he went with his sister. And um, I think, oh, there's a there's a man in this story named Jacob something. He is the sexton of the church, which I had to look up. That's basically, he's like a, a laborer who works for the church. Um, and his other main function is digging graves.
1: I was going to say, yeah, sextons dig the graves. Yes,
0: yes. So he was uh, out fishing with his sister and the sexton. But he comes back to find that Sister Mary Janina was nowhere to be found. So... And she's not one of the sick ones. She is. She's there all the time. No, she is one of the sick ones. So... She's one of the sick ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the story goes that the two of the two other sick nuns came down from their nap one afternoon and they couldn't find her and so they were asking around you know oh have you seen sister mary janina have and they asked stella and stella you know said she hadn't seen her um and then father bean comes back and is informed that she's missing and so they're trying to figure out what happened to her and the initial thought of course was that she had forsaken her vows and run away so (laughs) where in northern Michigan in 1907 where would you run I don't know I guess making her way slowly to a neighboring town which I have no idea how far it is from there but it's yeah that was kind of their assumption right away so because of that they didn't raise the alarm uh, that no no one was notified no authorities were notified for at least a a week. <sighs> yeah. Uh, so they did finally enlist the help of the Traverse City Police, um, and they searched the area, but they were n- not able to find her. And they notified her hometown of Wyandot in case she returned uh, to just be on the lookout for her. They also enlisted 250 men from Isidore, or they, they volunteered to go search for Mary Janina. They split into three groups and brought bloodhounds to help so like you know imagine all the search party scenes in your head they ended up finding discarded clothes in a swamp but they did not belong to mary janina and they did not find her or her body and (sighs) yeah so she kind of disappears without a trace um and they start kind of in the area, since since the whole surrounding area is now aware of what's going on, unaccompanied women began to be suspected as being her in disguise. Um, and, oh, yeah! In October of 1907, a woman named Frances Cox from Boston was being was held in a Frankfurt police station until Father Bean was able to verify that it was not, in fact. Marry Janina. Yeah.
1: She must have thought that was so bizarre. Yeah. She comes from like a proper big city. Uh, (laughs) And she's in this like Michigan backwater being accused of being a nun on the
0: lamb. Yeah. An unaccompanied woman. That must have been bizarre. You've got no reason to be walking around without a man. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. So time goes on um, and people start to assume that she had just moved away and was living under a false name. Maybe even she got married and had children. And that was kind of just what they assumed. They really resented the idea of a woman who would forsake her vows. And so they kind of just wrote her off as, oh, that woman. Yeah. So that was, that's depressing. A couple years later in 1910, uh, Father Bean was replaced by Father Podlazowski. I think I got that one.
1: Another aggressively Polish name. Another
0: super Polish name. Podlazowski. I think I got that one. Um, so he takes over and he wants to make some changes. In 1918, he begins making plans to tear down the old church building and construct a new one on the same site. So he, you know, kind of makes it known in the community that this is going to happen. But not long after that, several area priests come to Father Podlazewski and discreetly tell him it would be a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> you see they told him they told him that if he if he decided to tear down the church he would find the remains of sister mary janina buried in the basement of the church you're
1: fucking kid. that's conspiracy yes
0: they all knew about this uh they warned it would bring scandal how could the- you go back
1: to that as a place of worship
0: yeah well, they didn't because Knowing- they they were they were had their own churches. <laughs> oh. Because right? they're... Oh. Yeah.
1: I bet you they had taken the confession of the other guy.
0: Yeah. So that's a thing. Uh, in the Catholic Church, uh, when you're a priest, you take confession. And that is seen as being, you know, you can't mess with the sanctity of that uh, confessional. You can't... Even today, priests are like it's it's hard to get them to testify against um you right. know people who have given them their confession because it's kind of you know given this privilege sacrosanct yeah it's kind of like doctor patient confidentiality right but i feel like there's definitely times that you should go against that um and like when there's a fucking murder like yeah, a real murder but this is small town and this is affecting you know the church leadership and so all kinds of incentives to not say anything and to push it under the rug <laughs> we know all about that uh <laughs> we certainly do yeah so and,
1: and we know that catholic leadership will go to great lengths to protect their own yes
0: yeah so they they said it would be a bad idea they said it would bring scandal to the church <sighs> so father Podlazewski says Thank you for your concern uh, and he went ahead and checked in the basement I'm gonna go just see what's going on down there um, so I good for yeah him. I give him props uh, don't give him all the props uh, so <laughs> don't get too uh, attached to him uh, he en- enlists the help of one, the, the same the very same church sexton from from before. Uh, jacob um so he he takes him down because he's like you dig graves why don't you dig up one um so they go down into the basement and jacob starts digging and they do in fact uncover the nearly full skeleton of sister mary janina um they found her how much was missing i don't i don't think anything was really missing i think they just like i don't know because like that would imply some gross like dismemberment and trophy yeah, yeah i think there was um i think she was buried whole i don't i don't think it was like a okay gross okay thing.
1: sorry i was gonna make it worse than it yeah, was Yeah, don't make
0: it worse god so yeah they've f- they found her uh, kind of like cradle or like in the fetal position in the basement they they found remnants of the coarse brown wool habit and a piece of braided black waist cord and so they were pretty damn sure that was who they found the they've they located the skull, and the area around the skull was darker than anywhere else. So they were, I, I think they... <gasps>
1: that was the blood? Yeah,
0: yeah. <sighs> uh, later, they found a small crack on in the, the skull above the right temple. So, oh. yeah. um. So they found these remains, but they didn't really want... To bring scandal to the church. So they kind of just. God damn it. Discreetly bit, reinterred her remains in the church cemetery down the street um, under a cross. And that that would have been the end of it. Except we know about it because I'm telling you about it, which means that it didn't stay secret forever. Good. <laughs> yes. So it would have stayed secret if it weren't for one thing Father Podlazewski's wandering dick. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. So. <laughs> So the story goes that around the time he, or at the time that he discovered the remains of sister Mary Janina, he was also having an affair with his 19-year-old housekeeper, Martha Miller, who is the daughter (sighs) of a local farmer. (sighs) Yes. (sighs) How old is he at this point in time? Uh, It doesn't say, but old enough. (laughs) Gross. Yes. Gross. Gross. Yeah. Vows of chastity, all that good stuff. You know what? I
1: don't even get all that upset about that. Oh, I know. It's the the age difference and being... Like, sex is a very powerful, wonderful thing. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the big mistakes that the Catholic Church has made is denying that part of humanity to their leaders. I
0: think that is part of why we get so many of these issues is, yeah, you can't, like, telling someone you can't do that makes them want to do it and then they have to be weird about it because they can't do it openly and so that's how you well and
1: and even beyond the like you tell me i can't do it so i'm gonna find a way Mm -hmm. that's like me and cigarettes but like the human drive to have sex is oh yeah is is so deep that it's almost impossible to deny. I mean,
0: it's almost like it's natural. Uh,
1: I, <laughs> it's a natural right, Right, right. It's a hell of a sacrifice to give to a god, any god. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we don't ask this of other ministers, and they are not less holy or less of a leader in my eyes mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Especially because, like, it's a relatively new idea. Like, there are popes out there who have kids. So, like, fuck off. Yeah. You know, this isn't real. Yeah,
0: it's... We're putting people through... A lot. It's dumb, and it breeds this issue of shame and secrecy that has caused a lot of problems.
1: But my particular issue here with uh, Pastor Podunk <laughs> is that she's that's, 19, that's Father and she works too. for him. Uh, but Oh, right, Father po- <laughs> Podunk, whatever. Uh, she's 19, she works for him, and he's yeah. uh, shown a predilection for crime before.
0: Well, uh, well he, I mean, this is a different... Different father. This isn't Father Bean, remember?
1: Oh right, no. This isn't the guy who murdered him. It's the guy who found out about the murder and didn't fucking do right, anything right, about right. it. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that guy too.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah. So he, <laughs> uh, he was having an affair with Martha Miller, and in December of 1918, he drove um, an unmarried Martha Miller to the hospital in Ann Arbor to give birth to her illegitimate child. <sighs> Any guesses to whose that might be? yeah uh, well yeah so anyway yeah she comes back with a child and her family is kind of like well presumably her family knew that she was pregnant i'm guessing so like they're already you know kind of mad at her but sure. um they kind of uh interrogate her upon her return and she has this story to tell them that during the trip, uh, Father uh confessed to her that he had found Sister Mary Janina in the basement and had reburied her. So, like, you know, just your classic road trip conversation. <laughs> just, like, what passing the, the time. fuck? <laughs> Couldn't keep it a secret. So he tells her uh, while they're away doing this other secret, not-so-secret thing. And then she comes back and tells her father everything.
1: I wonder if it was like a father. You'll keep my secret, sort of moment. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm really good at keeping secrets. Here's a great example."
0: Oh, yeah. I wonder. Yeah. And then, and then when she got back, her you know parents were all mad at her, and she's like, "Listen, let me tell you something that might shift some of this heat off of me." Jesus. Yeah. Um, talk about small town gossip. For real. Yeah. So, so her father. Uh, obviously notifies the authorities finally someone goes to
1: the police about this and it's been like probably 30 40 years since she's been uh gone. it's
0: been it's been 11 years 11. Years. 19, still long. She enough. went missing in 1907, and now it's 1918. Um, okay. Yeah. Um. So Father Podlazewski is brought before a church, uh, you know, tribunal, if you will. I don't know what the word for it is, but he is basically, uh, chastised for letting the secret out, uh, and he is stripped of his position, uh, and. That's what he's chastised for. I mean, I don't know if it was like, yeah, yeah. It it said like he was most likely punished for sharing the secret rather than the illicit affair, or even you know burying, unburying, and and moving a body like without telling anyone. Yeah, that's what they're bad at him for. Um, So yeah, he he gets kind of shuffled around. Uh, from parish to parish and eventually disappears from the historical record. Um, but meanwhile, they have an investigation to do. So they, the authorities, they are looking back um, to what was going on in 1907, and they shift attention back to Father Bean and this ring of area priests who seem to know what was going on. <laughs> And yes, this is a, you see, confession coming into it. That's that's their theory and my theory of why everyone knew what was going on and didn't say anything because they wanted to protect the sanctity of confession. Um, So the story goes that Father Bean's housekeeper, Stella, remember? Right. She as it turns out, confessed to a bishop in Milwaukee to clear her conscience that she was the one that killed Sister Mary Janina. She's the one who did it? Uh, So, I don't know. She's the one, she confessed to it, and there's definitely, you know, anecdotal evidence that she was, you know... Not a big fan of the three six sisters. She was very resentful of them getting special treatment because of their condition. Um, I don't know why that brings you to murder, but we don't really know. So... Wow. Yeah. Um, so she allegedly confessed to this bishop, um, and so he in turn tells all of his other (laughs) priest friends, but none of the authorities, um... Uh, but then finally it does come out that that's what happened and that's how they know. So they the police exhume Sister Mary Janina's body again to confirm that it's really her um, and they arrest Stella. They were also going to arrest Father Bean, but apparently he talked himself out of it um, mostly by insisting that he was away on that fishing trip. Remember they mentioned that.
1: That very convenient fishing Yes trip.
0: with his sister and jacob the sexton this is very like right. this is my alibi <laughs> right um yeah jacob for his part he testified that stella killed mary janina but didn't really explain how he knew this so I'm, i don't know about this guy like he seems to be like very involved peripherally but like i don't know if he has any other part to play or not so right right it's also, it's just Man. This is what happens in small in small groups in small towns: is that everyone's involved in everything and knows everything, but not, won't say anything.
1: Right. Um, yes. Yeah.
0: So yes, they arrest uh, Stella, and she's awaiting trial. Um, there is a a woman detective, which I only say to at to marvel at the fact that there is a woman detective in the 1920s. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. I want to know. Very
1: cool, Mrs. Fisher. Everything
0: about her. Uh her name is Mary uh Tylika. Mary Tyleka, and <laughs> she's from Milwaukee and they the the local police hired her to come uh to like go undercover as a fellow uh inmate at the in the jail and they wanted her to spy on stella and see if they could if she could get a confession out of her um right and she allegedly did she testifies that stella uh confessed to killing sister mary janina by hitting her on the head with a spade um and then she talked about stella having a reputation for being stern and unlikable Uh, well this is just like the general what was what came out in the trial was that she just like resented these nuns and and was mean and and that's why she killed him um killed her yeah yeah there was also rumors going around that mary janina was like having an affair with father bean and maybe all three of the nuns were having an affair with him and maybe she was pregnant i don't know there doesn't seem to be any verification for this Shit. (laughs) yes but this sounds like a wild trial (laughs) um no kidding yeah So Stella is eventually convicted of first-degree murder. Uh, She appealed the conviction in 1920, but was denied. Uh, But she managed to get paroled in 1927, um, and she lived out her days as a cook and housekeeper in a uh, Felician convent in Wisconsin. She died in 1962 at the age of 92, and Father Bean died in 1964 at the age of 89. So, of course, they lived to a ripe old age.
1: That's so annoying. Why does that always happen? Yeah,
0: I don't know. A A new church building was in fact built in 1922. So that is what is still there today. Um, And then I just want to close with this quote from Atlas Obscura. Um, During the trial, Sister Janina's fellow nuns were allowed to perform a brief ceremony over her displayed skeleton since she had never had any of the funeral rites a nun was supposed to have. Some believed... Uh, Her remains were taken away from Isidore after the trial and buried at the Felician mother mother house in Detroit. Others say she is buried somewhere anonymously in the cemetery down the street from the Holy Rosary Church, possibly once again at the foot of the large cross, which was mysteriously spared from from harm in 1989 during a major lightning strike that destroyed a tree and several headstones in the cemetery."
1: Ooh, that gave me the willies.
0: <laughs> so yeah, that's that's I, unfortunately I don't have any like ghost stories about that church. But I was hey, you've got a spooky lightning yeah, strike. Yeah, that's not yeah. nothing. Yeah, um, but I was I think that's a really fascinating story. And I I the I read only parts of the book about it, but it sounds like a really good read. So if you're looking for something to read and you want a good old timey true crime story, check out Isor's Secret sin murder and confession in a northern michigan town and yeah that's a uh, that's my tale
1: that is awesome i'm so glad you told us that yeah. story uh would you want to talk about a listener story yes
0: let us pull one up hey listeners once again this listener story is brought to you by better help online i think this is a very prescient time for us to be reaching out for help um Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of people worried about the general situation, and I think we could all use someone to talk to and someone online to talk to. We don't even have to leave our homes, so BetterHelp Online is here for you.
1: Absolutely. What a great way to social distance. What I especially like about BetterHelp, not only have I talked to a couple people independently in my life who use this service and feel like they really benefited from it, but also they don't just match you up with like whoever's in the office. You go through a process where you assess your needs and match to a licensed therapist who is a great fit for you, ideally. And because fitting with your therapist is important and you can't just understate that.
0: If you head to BetterHelp online, you can start communicating communicating. communicating with a licensed therapist in under 24 hours it is not a crisis line it's not self-help it is professional counseling done securely online
1: guys this is available worldwide you can log on anytime you can send a message to your counselor i know some of us work strange shifts or you know the entire world's been plunged into chaos maybe your schedule isn't normal but but this is a good fit for you uh, if that is your situation um, and it's more affordable than traditional online counseling there is financial aid available
0: yeah so if you head to trybetterhelp.com slash podcast is haunted that is podcast. Help, H-E-L-P, podcast is haunted. You can join under 500,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional, and you will get 10% off your first month.
1: Check out and see what some of my other friends really raved about. I'm excited to give them a try myself.
0: Listener story, the best part of our show. Right. The moment you've all been waiting for. (laughs) <laughs> right. Okay. So this listener story comes from Sierra. Uh, Sierra writes Hi, ladies. I am a massive fan of your podcast and laugh along with you when you say phrases like "the ice age makes me horny." <laughs>
1: <laughs> it does, though. It does. I love the
0: ice age. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm hanging out with friends when I listen. Thank you. Yeah, That's nice. So I have too many scary stories to count, which is why the story I'm about to tell you freaks me the hell out. A little backstory. I can't fucking wait. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a little backstory. I grew up in New England and lived in. Vic- in Victorian-era homes, loved visiting cemeteries, and had a woman named Esther follow me around for a few months. She died over 100 years ago. <sighs> YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> I solo hiked the White Mountains of New Hampshire all through my life. Please look up WN- WMNF ghost stories. You'll freak. Um, I went to college at a Catholic school where my dorm was the old asylum building. Oh, I wonder which one it is. Okay. Uh, I lived in Montana where I stayed in an old farmhouse down an hour-long dirt road with family cemetery on property, and the last owner died there. Girl. <laughs> Anyways. That is awesome. Let me get to this story. I now live in rural Utah in the middle of the five national parks. I, I was just cool. going through there. It's a cool place. Um kind of jealous uh there's a lot of bad blood on the land here in atrocities aimed at native americans and mormon-led massacres to name a few yeah that's that's a thing um the hikes around yep. the park i live at are all relatively short two miles here four miles there so i enjoy going out there before a shift at my job Let me paint a picture of the landscape for you. There's barely any shade except for the peaks of red rocks hovering above. There's no forest to get lost in or old buildings to stumble upon, but there are petroglyphs and pictographs around every corner. There are cool. uh, Yeah. There are mountain lion tracks and little lizards along any given trail. The open space is freaky. I get that. Yeah, it's very, uh, it was very Westworld y when I was out there and very. I mean, it's just like a completely alien landscape to me Who's always lived in. Yeah, the I picture north. it like
1: I would picture Mars. Yeah,
0: it, yeah. The, the Earth was like red. So that was, yeah, Mars is not uh, far from that. So um, about a month ago, I decided to trail run for a short hike in the park. And it's one of the most popular routes, and I expected to see a, lo- a ton of people around. I saw two cars at the trailhead and very... Early on, I hiked past the two people that they belonged to, so I was completely alone. This made me a little creeped out. The week before I had been out on a trail and had a terrifying experience, I parked my car at an empty trailhead, walked about a half mile into the high desert, and heard a dog panting and running up behind me. My heart skipped a beat, and I hoped I wasn't about to be attacked by something, but there was nothing there. I heard it again, but from the direction I was facing earlier. Panting, running, distinctly dog. I flipped around. Uh, a raven sat on a rock 10 feet from me. It stared at me. It let out a single caw. No dog. I turned and I bolted. That was my first and hopefully only interaction with what I believe to be a skinwalker. Holy
1: fucking shit.
0: Yeah. As I turned around uh, to complete my hike before work, the hair on the back of my neck stood up. Someone was watching me. Except it didn't feel like someone, it felt like something. Many hikes in this area have wayward point markers, one through whatever, and at the trailhead you can read a blurb on said marker. I was at marker eight, cool. I pick up my pace, are those footsteps? I pause, I hear nothing. But every time I begin to walk, I hear a light crunch of gravel behind me. The overwhelming feeling of white girls should not be here flooded over me. I was cold in the 85 degree weather. I will save you the pathetic details of how out of breath I was from running a mile, but when I returned to the trailhead, I checked the wayward point description 8. 8 was part of a Native American village that is no longer. Oh. For the last month, I've been asking locals about that area. What happened there? Do you feel a certain type of way on that trail? And I've mostly gotten eye rolls from people telling me I'm nuts. Honestly, fair. But a few days ago, I got a bite. <laughs> a local told me the following story, and of course, I'll be paraphrasing it a but here we go. In 1926, a white man was hiking in or near this trail, and he found three bison shields. A bison shield is a preserved hide used for battle, but this is 1926. So, of course, he didn't do the empathetic thing by giving it back to the tribes of the area. Oh, no. Sometime between 1926 and 2002, the shields became XXX National Park Property, you know, whatever, accession number. Um, Right. And so not, you know, like x-rated um and in 2002 the national park service decided to give them back to the tribes there was one major problem they straight up gave them to the wrong tribe <laughs> good job nagra oh no oh uh, Maybe things were very different in 2002, no. But an easy Google search shows hundreds of maps of the different tribes and where their land used to be and now is. I reached out to the rangers at this park for more information, but they cannot disclose where the artifacts were discovered due to multiple protection acts. But the locals, oh, these crazy locals, they know, they all know someone who knew someone who knew the guy that found the shields. And they all say it was that trail. I hope the story made sense, and I hope it gave you the heebie-jeebies. This is the first time I've felt the land be a character in my stories. There's more history than the Europeans and the First Nations. The land has something to say. Keep up the podcasting. It is, It absolutely brings happiness to all of us. Definitely uh, look up the hauntings of the White Mountains of New Hampshire, as I know you'll love it. Sierra.
1: I cannot wait. Oh, my God. Awesome. Thank you, Sierra. Yeah fucking Mm skinwalkers oh my god
0: yeah that's nuts
1: yes (sighs) skinwalker stories always make me uncomfortable uh but okay all right so jen i can't feel my butt
0: okay so we will uh we have one patron (laughs) we have one new patron to thank rachel adams thank you for joining our patreon family uh we will thank you so much be doing a, a fun socially distant video for you this month uh so stay tuned for that if you want to check it out uh head to patreon.com slash this podcast is haunted uh where you can find all of our videos past and present if you become a patron thank you so much to those of you who do also i just want to say this is we're heading into a rough patch uh all of us together if you find that you can no longer afford extraneous things like supporting podcasts please do yeah. not feel bad about canceling your support for us we will totally understand like i i'm able to work from home so thankfully like this we're not relying on this so i just want you to feel comfortable if you want to continue to support us because you're supporting artists in this time by all means support us but also if you find that you can't you can no longer do that do not feel bad um
1: Not at all. We are as concerned about you guys as we are about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Our man, we are thinking of everybody, especially the people who are in our Facebook group. Uh, Feel free to join the Facebook group. They continue to be the nicest people on the internet four years in a row yeah. which is pretty amazing yeah, find
0: us there at uh this podcast is haunted discussion group that's a the private closed group and we're everyone's very nice there and we're all checking in on each other um you can also find us on social media that will be listed in the description and uh, we will be back with another episode in a fortnight so
1: a <laughs> fortnite yeah. all right well until then my friends uh, stay healthy stay sane and stay spooky motherfuckers Indeed.